This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. In the summer of 2019, Governor J.B. Pritzker signed the Cannabis Regulation and Tax Act. Fast forward to January 2020, and adults 21 and older were able to purchase and possess cannabis products legally for the first time in Illinois. Back then, officials said the new law would expunge people's records, making it easier for them to find work in the industry or beyond. But three years later, info about many low-level cannabis arrests are still showing up in public records. And some people in the industry say other promises about ensuring equity remain a work in progress. So with us now to discuss is Edie Moore, co-founder of Chicago Normal. That's the local division of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. She's also an Illinois dispensary licensee. Hey, Edie, welcome to Reset. Hey, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for for taking the time here. Uh, Lawmakers and and the governor, they promised equity with Illinois' cannabis program. There was a lot of talk of making sure communities affected by the war on drugs, I'm talking specifically about black and brown communities, that they'd be able to take part in this industry. So can you just take us back to 2019 and early 2020? What was running through your mind back then? Uh, Well, um, excitement, really. I had been a part of the uh, quote unquote industry before then in the medical round. So it was really exciting to have uh, the focus be placed on black and brown communities, um, more access for patients, more access for um, owners who um, more represented um, those disproportionately impacted communities. So it was really exciting. Um, that we were putting focus on that. Yeah. Uh, it was very different. Well, yes, as, as you mentioned, part of the plan was this so-called social equity program. So just remind us what it was or what it is and how it's supposed to work. <laughs> uh, well, the social equity program is supposed to make it easier for people who are not well capitalized to uh, become owners and workers in the um, in the cannabis space. So that uh, looked like uh, reduced application fees. Um, it looked like, um, you know, giving uh, higher priority to people in certain communities uh, who, who live or, or in those communities or who would like to hire from those communities. Um, so it, it basically was easier access. Uh, back in 2015, it cost thousands and millions of dollars just to get in. And it also... Um, allowed for uh, loans or low-cost loans or grants to be able to um, to access to those funds to get uh, build-out capital. Mm-hmm. So we're now three years in. So how well would you say the state has fulfilled its promise well, when it comes not, to equity? Yeah, I was going to say not very, not very well. We are still struggling to get people who... Uh, need access to those funds to to get that money. Um, there have been very few um, uh, people who have gotten open. Um, there was a lottery two years ago in 2021, or two, three lotteries actually, um, that granted licenses, but there was a big holdup for lawsuits and things like that. And mm-hmm. folks didn't get those licenses until a year later in 2022. And many, 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 the vast majority of those are still trying to open. And that includes craft growers and um, dispensary owners like me. It also includes transportation licenses. So th- there's a struggle on each level of uh, of the program. What do you think people still don't understand about cannabis? 
still don't understand. Oh, how hard it is to get to get going. Um, I've heard a few folks, even uh, a local lawmaker here say, you know, it shouldn't cost that much. It should just go on and get open. And it's just a store. And some of that is true, but there are still a lot of barriers. Um, is there stigma it, playing in as well? I don't think so much anymore. There was before. There was a lot of not in my backyard uh, people who didn't want it in their community. Um, so, but that has lessened. I think that we've done as advocates, we've done a lot of work, uh, to educate people about what it is and what it is not. But I think there is still a, uh, a disconnect on the capitalism part of it. It costs a lot of money to get this going. And most folks don't have that kind of money. So you've got to raise it. And that's the, um, I think that's still a disconnect. Mm -hmm. We've been talking about uh, a state law in Illinois that I'm curious if there's anything Mayor elect Brandon Johnson can address or do to improve the industry here in Chicago. What do you yes, think? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We talked about zoning until our we were blue in the face in 2021 um, and 2022. And um, the city council at that time did not see things the way that we did. Um, there are still no dispensaries uh, in black and brown communities. Actually, there's one, mm -hmm. uh, not too far from me, um, but there's not enough. So that, that means that there's not enough access to legal um, and safe cannabis. Uh, uh, people are still uh, buying from the illicit market, which is cheaper. Um, but it's just not very convenient. So there's nothing on the West side, nothing on the South side, and that needs to change. And that starts with zoning. That's Edie Moore of Chicago's chapter of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Thank you so much for checking in with us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. We'll turn now to Akila Easter. She's the Dean of the Urban Agriculture Department at Olive Harvey College. That's one of the city colleges of Chicago on the far south side. Welcome to Reset, Akila. Thank you for having me. So what did education around cannabis look like before legalization happened three years ago? It was not really existent. Um, there's a lot of online programs if you want to learn how to cook with cannabis, really. A lot of people wanted to learn that, and that's what we're trying to combat with when our students are coming in. We're, we're trying to teach the science behind the plant and having the level of respect of horticulture, biochemistry, having mm. that higher level thought with respect so to the So the first plant. thing they're asking for is how, how do... How can I grow this in my basement, ah. right? So let me give you these di different tips. So that's the first line that I say in of my course. classes is this is not what that is. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> like first day syllabus? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's take it now to 2023. There's a curriculum being taught. It's focused on cannabis at your school. How long has that been going on? We're entering our second year, our okay. full second year. Um, we actually just got approved to have that college credit for learning about cannabis, which is uh, we're very unique. Uh, we have two basic certificates, an advanced certificate, and then an AAS degree in cannabis studies. So we're one of the first uh, colleges in the, the state of Illinois to offer an AAS degree in cannabis studies. While universities may offer plant science, you know, things like that, uh -huh. we're specializing in one particular plant. But I do like to articulate that cannabis is a plant, and that's how it's been segregated out. So if we start to talk about cannabis as just any other plant, 
Um, although it, it does take some factors to grow it, of course, but you treat it like a plant, we'll get that level of respect and research that's needed. Interesting. So dig more into what the, the students are learning here about cannabis and, and more importantly, what they're unlearning, as you hinted at right. earlier. Right. So it's not growing in your basement. Well, I, we do we do show some of that, right? But um, there are there's legalization aspects with that. You have to have a medical card to be able to grow the five plants in your home, things such as that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they're learning are the actual chemicals inside of the plant and how they interact with the human body. It's very unique. We have a unique system called the endocannabinoid system system that cannabinoids from the cannabis plant mm-hmm. actually interact with. So kids are learning, students are learning, I need to stop calling them kids, students are learning that these these are actually creating what we call homeostasis within our within our system. So it's more than just consuming the plant. It's we want people to understand the medicinal properties. We want them to understand the ancillary businesses other than just owning a dispensary, things right. such as that, how they can become entrepreneurs. So we made sure that we branched out our curriculum to hit all of those different components. A few years ago, I remember cannabis products were illegal. Now you can get training in cultivation through programs like yours. Like This is incredible what I'm hearing you list off as a a, a course credit for this. This is wild to me. What do you make of that progress? I mean, if you were to talk to high school, Akila, this was I would. And now I'm a dean of the program. Uh, I would never have imagined this. Right. I almost got kicked out of high school for this uh, plant. I mean, we Uh, talked about (laughs) homeostasis, but not when it comes to cannabis. No, no. But Having that thorough understanding of they're starting to get more into the science fields. Our AAS degree is built to motivate students to get into the STEM field. I want you to get into biochemistry, medicinal cannabis, understanding the plant, um, how you can treat with those different things, get a graduate degree in plant science. So that's kind of that introduction. It's more than just putting it in the dirt and watering and giving it nutrients. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why are you giving that nutrients? Why do we change the light schedule? They need to understand that. Um, and that's what, what the science behind the plan is what we're teaching. Another piece of this work, it's making sure that the people who suffered from the war mm-hmm. on drugs, that they benefit from legalization. Right. How are those people being included in well, education? It's, it's written into our mission. Um, the urban ag department, we're no longer the weed department, as people want to call us. We are the urban agriculture <laughs> department. So we are you know, having an understanding of that they're historically that black and brown people have been directly affected by the agricultural industry and then further with the cannabis industry. So we have created different programs. One particular is called Still I Rise, where if you have a cannabis conviction and you qualify for our programming, the city of Chicago has supported us with a violence prevention grant of over a million dollars to be able to support you getting your certificate. Um, and you get a stipend, you get transportation costs covered, you get childcare costs covered, you get management, um, success coach management. So it's a full wraparound services that we're providing for. And we're in our sixth cohort. We're entering our sixth cohort of students Mm, of around 30 students per cohort. So when it comes to education, how are you hoping that it evolves in the coming years? Like what, what more needs to happen? I think research is going to lead. So hopefully that we can get the level of of respect from all entities Um, because we are fighting with not literally fight, but we're fighting with the industry of hiring folks. Right. So you're getting these equity aspects. But are you still hiring the folks from this community or are you just reaping the benefits associated with the social equity? Um, So we want to make sure that that is changing. We also want the the aspect of this plant is researchable. So even from the scientific community, people are scoffing at, oh, you do cannabis research? So those different types of things. Once this plant, the real benefits of this plant are started seen by the scientific community, we already see pharmaceutical companies taking over um, with within the different chemicals of the plant, which is a little right. frustrating as well. But once they start to see these benefits, I think that's what's going to be the game changer.
We've been talking with Akila Easter, who's Dean of Urban Agriculture Department at Olive Harvey College. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Our next guest, Melissa Pachola. She's the Director of Pro Bono and Community Partnerships at Legal Aid Chicago. Thanks for joining us in studio, Melissa. My pleasure. So you've been listening along. Uh, let's dive right in. When when the governor signed House Bill 1438, this was back in 2019, one of the provisions was expunging criminal records. What exactly was the language around that in the bill? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not a statutory expert in the sense of I'll quote it for you right now, and plus everyone would fall asleep while they're listening to their radio. (laughs) But I will say that generally the idea was that um, non-convictions for cannabis would be expunged automatically, and that a certain category of convictions were going to be eligible to be vacated and expunged under the law. And there were limits as to the amounts of each of those and certain exclusions. So generally, we like to say that it was about um, under 30 grams for manufacturer deliver, um, up to 500 grams for possession, and then it excluded anything that was associated with a violent offense. Our sometimes colleague, Andy Grimm, he recently reported that some people, they might believe that their records were expunged when in reality those offenses, they're actually still on their records. So which records were expunged sure. and which weren't? Sure. There's sort of three categories, right? So that non-convictions were supposed to be automatically expunged. But those are according to a timeline. And in fact, the timeline still continues, right? So if you were arrested before uh, January 1st, 2000, actually the automatic expungement doesn't have to be complete until January 1st, 2025, right? So there's that non-convictions automatic that actually isn't complete yet. There's the category of minor cannabis convictions, which were um, undergoing a process through the Illinois Pardon Review Board. Um, And that process is uh, convoluted at best in terms of the mechanics of how that would work. Quite honestly, the law created a mechanism that didn't exist before. Even the the concept of vacating and expunging something was not a concept that existed in the law prior to this law. So um, there was some new things that needed to happen. And then there's the the final category, which is that something – for misdemeanor and class four felony offenses, someone actually needs to proactively petition the court to make a motion to vacate and expunge those convictions. So that was never automatic. Mm-hmm. You need to actually uh, proactively petition the court for those. So, OK, so if the case wasn't automatically expunged, you have to there's another step. Yes, correct. Yes. And so uh, some category, some categories were automatically. Are being automatically expunged, but one of the things that there happens with legislation is there were gaps in the law. So um, the Illinois State Police and law enforcement agencies were ordered to expunge the records, but unfortunately, nobody told the court of clerk, uh, the clerk of court, to do that. So what we are seeing is that the it may not appear on your law enforcement record, but it'll still be a court record. Um, and so honestly, what our agency has taken the position of is it nothing is automatic. You've got to look for it, and yeah. if you see it, you have to try to get rid of it. I'm going to go further in the weeds, just sure. so it's clear. So the governor and and the Cook County State's attorney, Kim Fox, they pardoned defendants in about 35,000 cases, yes. though not all of those cases were expunged. Explain that a, a bit and, and sure. the difference between a pardon and a full expungement. Sure. Generally, a pardon is sort of um, the a declaration that this you were no longer guilty of this, right? You've been pardoned of the offense. The expungement is actually the destruction of the record. 
So even if you are pardoned of something, all it will say is that you were pardoned. The record will still exist, which means that people still find it. And there is stigma associated with somebody finding something, right? Once that, you know, genie is out of the bottle, the toothpaste is out of the tube, you can't stick it back in. Um, And so the expungement is actually the destruction of the records. And in the case of Kim Fox, the um, what the state's attorney did was actually order um, get orders that those records were to be expunged. One of the issues that we are seeing is that nobody was told or notified in advance that their record was going to be handled in this way. So people still didn't know if their record had qualified for this or not. And in fact, we had the experience of petitioning for certain of these records and then being told, oh, it's already being taken care of. Okay, great. It'd be nice if somebody had told us or the person who was actually affected by the relief. So how do people check their records in the first place? Yeah, it's a little bit convoluted. So um, there is an access uh, there is access to an electronic database of criminal records maintained by the clerk of court. Generally, to access that um, by the general public, you have to go to a courthouse to be able to see it. Attorneys um, and other uh, justice partners can get access to that database. So I can see it, for example, from my office. Um, otherwise, you can also get your record from the Illinois State Police or a local police department. For example, If you go to the Chicago Police Department, you can get your rap sheet if you pay $16 and get fingerprinted. Mm -hmm. Um, So accessing your record in terms of seeing what's on it is generally going to the courthouse, contacting an attorney, or getting your rap sheet from the police station. I see. So if if folks are not sure... Someone listening right now, they're not sure if their record is cleared. Yeah. In the case of cannabis expungement, um, one of the things that was highlighted in the Sun-Times article is an organization of legal aid um, organizations that work together called New Leaf Illinois, which is specifically focused on cannabis expungement. And so if you call New Leaf Illinois, they'll actually look up your record for you and determine if you have a cannabis conviction or or arrest that's eligible. Um, And I'll go ahead and give the phone number right now if that's okay. To contact New Leaf Illinois, you can call 855 nine six three nine five three two and they'll actually have an attorney review your record um, and actually determine what's eligible on it yeah so as you've just outlined the process of expunging records it's complicated absolutely it's complicated Uh, drive home for us why is it important like how could convictions impact a person if it's still on their record. Yeah, and I think arrests too I don't want to just confine this to convictions we've seen people denied jobs housing employment, um, educational opportunities, uh, licenses as a result of having an arrest record or a conviction on their record. And so um, taking the time to actually see what's on your record and then um, contacting legal aid to get it expunged can be extremely helpful. We've had clients who then go on to start nonprofits. We've had clients who go on to then work in the industry. Um, We've had clients who then get the better job that they were hoping for as a result of this um, being cleared. Yeah. And even if past convictions are, are for cannabis, it, it still matters, um, you know, though it's legal now. Right. Right. Absolutely. As I said, unfortunately, the stigma is real. Yeah. Um, and I think also it's very rare for me to see a record that has a single cannabis conviction on it. it it's just not the reality of policing in this county, mm-hmm. in this country, in this state. And what so, do you mean? It would, it would have multiple? Ex- and it would, there would be other things on the record, right? Disorderly conducts, other sort of minor offenses that someone would have gotten picked up for. They pair them with other things. Exactly. Yeah. And so having the entire record cleared is really the key there and taking the time to actually contact an attorney about that. And so remind us of those resources. Absolutely. You can contact New Leaf Illinois at 855-963-9532 for cannabis expungement. You can also reach Legal Aid Chicago at 312 341 one zero seven zero.
Melissa Pachola is the Director of Pro Bono and Community Partnerships at Legal Aid Chicago. Thank you again. Thank you.